What does it mean to bring our whole selves into the world? To give ourselves the gift of unconditional acceptance. Join me as we learn together. I'm Jorgen Salvis, and this is Unchaming. Ivana Black is a trans singer, actress, and entertainer based in New York. Growing up in a military family that traveled across the globe gave her the openness to explore her gender at a young age. Her journey to survive as a black trans woman has included unshaming the black market where she received hormonal treatment at a time in America when healthcare providers refused and discriminated against trans people. She feels positive about the progress society has made in accepting trans people, but simultaneously desires wider acceptance and more representation in the media. At the end of this episode, the names Ivana says out loud are the names of trans women who have passed away. I'd also like to make a note about the language we use in this episode and define some of the terms as well. I also want to remind all of the Unshamers listening that no language is perfect and that terms in the LGBTQ community change and evolve with time. So what's acceptable or unacceptable now may change later. The language we used in this episode reflects the LGBTQ climate of 2020 and the language that Ivana was comfortable with. Cis, short for cisgender, is someone who exclusively identifies with their sex assigned at birth. Trans or transgender is an encompassing term for the many gender identities of those who do not exclusively identify with their sex assigned at birth. A good way to remember the difference between sex and gender is that sex relates to who you go to bed with, whereas gender relates to who you go to bed as. Passing is the term used for someone who is perceived as the gender they wish to present as. This term can be central to a lot of trans folks as to be passing can come with the privilege of avoiding discrimination and violence against trans people. The term also has its controversy because it suggests dishonesty or deception about one's gender identity, implying that cisgender people are society's gender norm. For more information on LGBTQ terminology, visit transstudent.com definitions. When I was acting and modeling and all that stuff as my old, old self, I used to do, I would dabbled in drag mm -hmm. and drag was a way for me to escape but also a way for me to make m money to to um get the clothes and the thing you know what i mean like just like little things that people don't think about like just deodorant mm -hmm. being able to get a deodorant that had the scent that made me feel like a woman and so with my own money i could buy that mm -hmm. so was that through, through drag, was that sort of how Yeah, you... so the way that drag happened is, it was the way I was able to really, really express myself, be as feminine as I wanted. I was allowed to come in, and of course, I could do it underage, because I get the fake ID, and when you're in drag, they don't know who the hell you are. <laughs> so it was perfect. But what happened is, I started going to these pageants, and I was in the club once, and they were like, oh, you know, my friends, who were, were my friends at the time, were like, Oh, look at him. And I was like, who are they talking about? Oh, you know that's a man. I was like, who? And they pointed at this girl. I'm like, no, that's not. That's a girl. What are you talking about? I'm like, no, that's a man. And I had been doing drag for so long 
that I figured, okay, this is the only way that I could be a woman mm-hmm. and be able to express myself. And when I found out that person was, my friends were calling him a man, and they told me then tranny back then was the word. I was like, what? No, 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 no. I was, my whole mind went crazy. Uh. I like, in literally like two minutes, I had changed myself. Like, there's this moment when you walk into the mirror and you're like, I'm a woman. You start to see yourself, even without the surgeries and stuff. And there are those moments, right? And the minute I saw this woman, I changed myself, that vision that I saw myself Mm -hmm. in the mirror. Not only did I change it at home, but I changed it that evening when I went into the bathroom. And I looked at myself in the mirror, I I could see myself in a different way. It's like layering. Um, You changed the way you saw yourself. Yes, in the mirror. Because when when I look at myself as a trans woman in the mirror, before I had everything, even I see the woman that I am, mm-hmm. whether anyone else sees it or not, right? And so it's up to that point, I just kept seeing this drag girl. And that moment when I saw that woman, I looked in the mirror and I saw me, like Ivana. Like, mm-hmm. I was like... It was weird. I didn't have heavy makeup. Like, I, the makeup didn't look heavy to me anymore. It looked like a woman. It was wow. just instant. And I was just kind of like, what? And then I sat back, and then I remember going home, and I was just, like, realizing my curves and, like, this whole new way of seeing myself and walking down the street and just realizing who I was and, like, that confidence starts to shine through because I knew where I could go. Mm-hmm. Tell me about from the moment that you knew that you wanted to transition to the time that you did feel that you were fully transitioned. Was there any anxiety during that period? Just in terms of feeling, I, I want to get this process started. I want to yeah. I, I want to see, I want other people to see me the way that I see myself. I mean, that period in transition was really, it's... Mm. Because you could do it off market and on market. And I say off market, on market because And and tell us what does off market and yeah. on market mean? Yeah. So I call them off market and on market because at this point where we're at in in trans experiences, meaning now that it's acceptable to be trans and healthcare is covering it, now everybody wants to come in and do surgeries and help us with hormones. Whereas back in, a while ago, no one wanted to help us. They would kick us out of their doctor's office, mm-hmm. even though the medical code says do no harm. Right. Um, doctors wouldn't see us, or if they did see us, they would charge us double and triple for everything because, you know, they didn't want to do it. Or, I mean, you go to medical school, they're not tra- teaching you trans surgery. Right. They're not teaching you how to deal with trans men and women. They're not teaching you that at all, which is on market, off market, are those people who have been dealing with us forever and who have fought and doctors who you know, have amazing offices during the day, but on weekends and at night, they have a little small shack office somewhere just to take care of trans women. Market society won't know that they're doing this off-market stuff. And then you go off-off-market, which is the stuff that is dangerous, that has killed people and silicone and all that stuff. So if you look at the spectrum of off-off-market, off-market and on-market. 
it's really all based on economics. And the poor people have to go off, off market. Middle class, you know, people who have jobs or find ways to make money can go off market. Mm -hmm. And the wealthy who have best insurance can stay on market. So in that sense, when I was growing up, it was off, off market, and off market. There was no on market. So you had to find There ways. wasn't even the on market option. There was an on market option, but it was so expensive mm. and so exclusive that even women and men who were getting surgeries wouldn't tell people just so that they wouldn't blow it up. Right. You know what I mean? Because it'd be like this rush of people trying to go. And like I said, the doctors didn't want anybody to know they were doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was on market. They just did it in the off market. So let's say you're going right. to a doctor and you're going to a consultation and you, he finds out that you're trans. He has to do all your surgeries. And if he's advocating for you, he has to do them in a completely different way. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Off hours with nurses who are willing to do it. Like right. it was just, it was scary. So People go to Mexico and Thailand. Right. Girls would like go out of the country to get surgeries. And you never know. There's a lot of girls who have never made it back. Because still at that point, like I said, they don't teach it in med school. So we were experiments. Mm -hmm. You were literally trying out new things. They were literally experimenting on us. They perfected it now. But how many women fell by the wayside and men fell by the wayside while they were trying to figure out how to work on us? Because hospitals and medical schools weren't teaching them how to work with us. So people go to the off market. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many barriers. Yes. Like, for example, when I was starting out, you had to live as a woman for six months to a year. You had to go to two years of therapy. And then you, you between that, they would let you start taking hormones. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And so then you're now taking hormones. And, and how now, do you live now as... Now you're trans. What, what defines living as a woman for two years? That's what was problematic because <laughs> right. it was like well how yeah because technically i look in the mirror and i'm a woman so what are you talking right. about so basically to them living as a woman is clothes mm-hmm. and but i'm like clothes don't make a woman like that's difficult i could be you could be sitting here in your nice attire and have panties and a bra underneath there i will i don't know that mm-hmm. Because it doesn't, you could feel like a woman, and I wouldn't know that. Right. You feel like a woman. What was it like getting your hormones off market? Ooh. Well, you could always find the working girls, because they always knew where the, where the hormones were, and all the good doctors and everything. And, and who are the working girls? Well, at that time, a lot of trans women were on the street, working the streets or bars and nightclubs. Um, to pay for all these surgeries, Mm -hmm. um, to pay their rent, um, you know, to keep their, stay alive, basically. And that's because a lot of, a lot of employers would not acknowledge their existence. Yes, including the gay community. So, like, trans women couldn't work in gay bars. A lot of time, up until 90s or so, they didn't even want us in the bars. We'd get kicked out of the gay bars. My experience on the black market was, like I said, I used to have to go to working girls, and they always knew the hormones were. So literally, when I was younger, I was like in between parked cars and in alleys, pulling down my pants or skirt and getting injections of hormones. 
or sometimes we go to a bathroom or a bar or a club and get injections of hormones. Was there for a moment in your mind when you thought this could end up being really dangerous for me? Or I always knew it was going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a doctor. Well, what that... kept you doing it? Desperation. Desperation makes people do amazing things. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean. Like they will fight. Like even when I talk about working women, trans men and women who work in the sex industry, that's desperation. That is like I need to get these surgeries. I need a place to live. I need to feed myself. I need to clothe myself mm. in the clothes that I believe I should be wearing. And that's desperation. I, I want to know if you could say something or anything to people who claim that trans women are not real women. What would you say to them? I would say that that's a myth. I mean, I would say that that's built in. And my first conversation would really be to biological cis women. Mm-hmm. In the sense that if that is true and that and you say that I am not a woman because I don't have a pussy and because I can't have children, then you in a sense saying that that's the only thing that makes you a woman. And then that's very sad. If women think that that's the, the thing that makes them woman is the fact that they have a vagina and they can have children, then you have bought into what the male-dominated world wanted you to buy into, that that's their only worth, having children and having a vagina. Because the truth is, there's so much more about women that are so beautiful that makes them women mm-hmm. that I, it makes me sad to think about that. Plus, you have to think about all the women who cannot have children. You have to think about all the women who have vagina, have problems with their vagina, their uteruses, who have lost their breasts, who don't get breasts. Like, so now you're invalidating all these people by saying that I am not a woman. You're saying that all the other women aren't women as well. And that's problematic for me. So that's what I like to say to them as, I would talk to my sisters first and be like, don't let them identify you just by your genitals and the ability to have children. Mm-hmm. How do you define what it is to be a woman? What, what are your, some of your favorite traits about being a woman? My favorite traits about being a woman is um, I love the softness of my skin. As a black woman, I love the arch of my back. I love um, smells. I remember as a little kid, my brother, my father, just always make fun of my mom when she came out of the bathroom. Oh, because there's this smell. It smells like a woman's been in here. And there's a scent that my mom had that I was like, oh my God. Like, I connected with it, but Mm -hmm. I didn't understand why. And then once I started taking hormones and developing, I was just like, that's the smell. Like, there's this smell that women have. Yeah. And I love that. Like, I love that I have that scent. I love that my body produces those oils. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds weird, but it's just like those are little things. I get it. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, I smell like my mom when she come out of the bathroom. Like, it was just, like, life-changing. I was like, yes, I did it. And it sounds weird, but yeah. Is, would you say that 
transness mm -hmm. is a rebellion of the patriarchy inherently? No. No. I just tell people the story that my, um, the story that I'm living in Orlando, Florida. My sister was dating this young man and she came over to my house. And I was like, yeah, just come hang at my house. I have stuff to do. So my family's always had keys to my house because mm -hmm. it makes me feel safe and it makes them feel safe. So she came in and she asked her, well, who do you think lives here? What kind of person do you think lives here? And he said, oh, it's a couple. And she said, well, why would you say that? She said, because you can see the house is decorated very nicely and it's real pretty. So you can tell there's a woman here. She said, but there has a lot of electronics and little gadgets for the kitchen. And like, there's a hint of masculinity here as well. So it's a couple that live here. And my sister looked at her and was like, wow. And so then when I came home, she told me that. And I was like, well, yeah, it makes sense. Because I have both sides to me. We all do. Yeah, we all do. So it's never been a fight against masculine, my masculinity. Mm. It's just, I realized that I was not a man. And I was never going to be a man. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's how it is. I don't dislike them. I don't think, you know, I just think that for so long, they have been the dominant in the world. And um, they have constructed that. Because transness, mm -hmm. it's, it's not tied to men in any way. Do you think that there is an element of discourse or tension between trans women and cis women because of that reason? It you possibly could be. I've always said that we're trained in the world is that you can be successful by following the rules. Meaning, you go to high school, then you go to college, you get a good job, you have a good family, you raise kids, and you send them on to the same thing, to do the same thing you did, right? So imagine a person... Um, that rejects all of that. That rejects all of that. And is still successful. And is still successful. And is itself on their own merits, just because it's me. That must be very hard cisgendered or straight people, mm -hmm. men and women in particular, don't hate us because of who we are. What the problem would be is, this is just a guess and just my little philosophy on it, is that they dislike us because we live our lives the way we want to live them. I'm not going to get married and have 2.5 kids and move into the suburbs just so I can have a raise. To have to toe the line and do everything right, but here comes this community that's that totally pushes back on it and says, no, you don't have to do that and you can still be successful. And a lot of us are. That must be really hard for them. That must be hard for this woman who's pushing her two kids down the street, you know, in my mm -hmm. neighborhood in Harlem. The baby daddy is somewhere else and here I come floating out of my house in brand new clothes, jumping into a Mercedes, head off to some fabulous show. Like, that's like, what the hell? Like, as a woman, that must be like, boom, and just, if you know that I'm trans. And so then, of course, you see the ugly sneers and looks, you know? So what? I'm a working girl. Yeah. I make good money. I have a house. I have a car. But as a working girl, like, it takes everything you throw at us to try and control us or subdue us or make us feel bad about ourselves and just magnifies it to our benefit. Mm -hmm. 
But what I say to that is, it's your turn. Right. It's your turn to do that now. Imagine how beautiful the world would be if you were not so busy trying to lord over someone else to make yourself feel better Mm -hmm. because you don't have the life you want. Imagine just living the life you want. Has there been a moment in your life when, or or moments when you've really felt the oppression of being trans? I feel it every day, but I think I feel more the oppression of being a black woman than being a trans woman because I am privileged in the fact that I can go out in public and most people don't know and live my life. Mm-hmm. But what they do know is I'm a black and I'm a woman. Mm. So I feel more oppression from that than I do in my transness. The only time I feel oppressed about my transness is when someone knows that I'm trans or may think that I'm trans because then I'm, I'm scared of violence. Mm-hmm. I get nervous about violence. Not scared, I get nervous about violence. And so that's when I feel the oppression. I don't, yeah, I don't, because in my case, my case, I don't see myself as trans. I'm just a woman. Completely understand that. What gives you your sense of purpose? Mm, joy de vie. I mean, the joy of life. Just being here for another day. I still walk. I still walk into the world feeling free, but also I walk into the world in innocence. Meaning, I'm optimistic. So, like, I don't hold grudges. I mean, well, I do hold grudges. I'm Sagittarius, <laughs> honey. So, I do. But meaning that I haven't been tainted by all my experiences. Mm-hmm. I still see hope in the world. I still see light in the world. I still see joy in the world. I still believe in happy endings. Yeah. If you could give advice to people who are limited and restricted by the opinions of other people. Because that's what shame is, right? Well, I always tell people this. This is my go-to with any person, honey. Is, especially trans man and trans woman. Honey, Google is your best friend. Back in the day, I used to go look at books and go online and try and find stuff because they didn't have Google. You can Google women with big shoulders or women with big feet or women with big heads. And you'll see pictures of other women with big feet, big shoulders, and big heads. You are not alone. Google it and you'll find it. And that made me feel more comfortable about who I was, how my body was, how I was developing, how I was moving through society. That made me feel more comfortable. I think one of the pillars of this show is representation and Mm -hmm. telling stories that Mm -hmm. aren't usually told in a mainstream, Mm -hmm. on a mainstream stage. When our stories aren't told, Mm -hmm. they're erased. How is it that you want to be remembered? I don't think I want to be remembered. Because there's a lot of people out there in the world, entertainers, all kinds of people that just want to be remembered. I need this, I need that, I need pictures, I need this. I don't want to be remembered as a thing, as an item, as something that is tangible. I want to remember for intangibility. I want to remember when people, they look back at their life and say, wow, my life is better because of this person. That's it. I don't, I, I just want people to, 
Yeah, I just want to be a, a passing thought. Like I have these girlfriends of mine who have passed, um, and I try to think of them at least once a week because that's how I want them to be remembered. Mm-hmm. You know, I want <laughs> I want Christian Page to remember. I want Mercedes Alexander to be remembered. I want so many of my girlfriends to be remembered. I just think Nikki Green. I definitely want to remember her. Um, it's hard. Baja. These are just names. I have to think about them because I just scatter them out during the week. Just remember the impact that they've all had on me. And the fact that I'm still here because of a lot of them. When I can remember their name. And then sometimes names pop up that I forgot. But the reason I remember that name when it pops up is because I remember something that they taught me that I'm using now. That is helping me. Because mm-hmm. I'm still here. Thank you so much, Ivana. I'm Jorgen Salvis, and you've been listening to Unchaining. For more information on anyone featured on the show, follow us on Instagram at Unchaining or visit unchainingpodcast.com. If you liked this episode, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or want to tell us what you're unchaining, message us on Instagram or email us at unchainingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.